In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome back to the podcast, episode 125. This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and... As always, this is Steve. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Oh, back in the studio. I know, I know the last one, we kind of took them from the Great American Outdoor Show. I was going to say, it's kind of weird being back in the regular situation after being in person and did all of that whole change to the, the way we do things. I think it's kind of fun though. I kind of I do like podcasting face to face, like on the road, because I will we take don't it get that much one hundred times out of a hundred. So much yeah. better that way. It is. It totally is, man. The conversation is. I mean, it's it's the same type of conversation, but it's different, right? If that makes any sense. Oh no, it doesn't it, make any it sense. It completely actually. makes sense when you when you can sit down and see people and talk to them, read their expressions. You got the body language. You got the hangovers. Yep. You know, it all plays in. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely. <laughs> I, forget. Makes, I was thinking, and then I, then you said what you said, and it just like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> yes, like, that is a factor hangovers. at the shows for everybody wondering. I think I got goosebumps just thinking about the hangovers. <laughs> I think that's probably the worst of it, right? Um, no, and, and being at the Great American Outdoor Show is pretty cool. And I can't believe the numbers that have gone through the doors. There's been a couple of things passing around the internet about it um, with the NRA just kind of like putting down their, fo- their foot and being like, we're moving forward. We're the movement to, to the start of this. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and... It- Having Lieutenant Colonel Lee come over, the vice president of the NRA, wanting to know our input, what are we seeing, what are we feeling, and some of the comments he made, we'll just leave it at that, were uh, very appeasing, knowing that, you know, we're back, and that's a little harder than ever. I'm interested to circle back with Amy and kind of like get kind of her input on it. Hopefully maybe we can drag her onto an episode for like 15 minutes and kind of really fill everybody in on the numbers aspect of everything. Um, Certainly. F- especially for the shows and how important it is for the economy. And, and, and it's, it's really good for the hunting industry as a whole, man. Like to hear 
a lot of our friends that we stopped in and chatted with and people are buying and people, you know, these guys are running out of product. I mean, spy high. I watched those guys probably go out to their truck 25 times, just getting product. And, you know, we saw drew from wild edge. He was selling everything. I mean, it's just, it was just so good to see these companies finally getting what they had put into it. So definitely pretty awesome. Oh, for sure. Dude. 100%. Dude. I saw you did a little bit of upland hunting with the Brittany. We did a uh, buddy of mine's got a real young pup. We started her off, you know, last year and just went out shooting over, you know, let I her remember sit that. back and all of that. Well, he called me up and said, Hey, I want to go out and, uh, run a few more birds. And these are, these are planted birds on fields along the river right there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, just to work her. I said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll come down there and shoot with you. And me and a good buddy of mine went down there and, and, uh, we put eight birds out and she sniffed out and busted out seven out of eight. We have no clue what happened to that eighth bird. We knew where we planted it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they run. Yep. We figured it ran and being right along the river in the mountain, there's no telling. Right. But uh, that that dog busted seven out of eight out. We had decent shots. Um, there were two birds that had me shaking my head going, wow, I suck. But, uh, you know, we, we did get them all down. And it was nice. It was good to just get out there and, and push some birds. I don't get to do that a whole lot. So when you do, it's like, man, nothing will tell you how bad a shot you are upland until you go do it. Clay's, yeah, especially clay's lie. Clay's lie. Especially shooting the small chuckers and stuff. They're a little bit faster on the yeah. feet. So when they bump out, well, and what killed me is these birds popped out, man, and they ran low. They stayed low the yeah. whole time. So it's like, okay, I got to wait until they clear the line, get in a safe mm -hmm. direction. And by then they're, you know, 40, 50 yards out there and you're just yeah. winging shots. So but, how, how was she, was she holding point well and stuff like that starting to develop oh, yeah. those fundamentals and yep. she went in cool. once she sniffed them out and found the bird she'd hold point for a couple of minutes i mean well a couple of minutes but you know yeah you tell her to hold and she'd hold until you got up there and busted the bird out but that's cool for a 17 month year old dog or 17 month dog that that's pretty dang good mm -hmm. you know and i'm no oh, expert absolutely. in bird dogs but this is a young pup that went out there and mm -hmm. i was like let's go no, it's definitely cool, man. I, I love watching and being around that stuff. I miss it because I don't spend that much time at, like having upland dogs my whole entire life. And then to like, I I haven't hunted over a dog in years. I don't even know what that's like. Like we would bring, I don't even know the last time I hunted over a dog and pheasant hunted, but I would do it every day after school with my first Brittany. Now I have my second one. She's, she doesn't really bird hunt no more, but I, I, I don't know. It was cool. It was cool to see the pictures of. It kind of brought me back and spit up some memories, you know? Yep. It, it is cool to have have that and do that. I don't know. It's just that aspect of a lot of things that you miss when you're trying to chase whitetails all the time, right? Because it's, it's like one or the other. You can't do both. So. Oh, and that that's one thing is I am so happy that this is my buddy's bird dog and yes. not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get to you get to enjoy the 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 positivity and all the fun of the bird dog but you don't have to worry about without having the everyday work and all of the yes. stuff going on behind the scenes agreed that's what it is that's why that's when he called exactly. i was like dude i'm in yeah i'll, I'll yep. come shoot over your dog <laughs> mm -hmm. happy to yep. yeah so. when you when you have to be the trainer and the handler and you have to spend 30 minutes an hour 
training that dog a day and it's just there's there's so much that goes into it and people don't realize it i'd rather be just a shooter like you just all right let's go yeah, we're gonna go shoot thing. up land. i'm gonna shoot yeah. the bird let the dog retrieve you give it the commands i ain't gotta do nothing yeah but speaking um, of young dogs uh ruby's off to a good start this year yeah we did actually pretty good we got uh i think what did we get we got four so far which is pretty cool so we matched up we matched up one of the ones that i had found from last year so we had missed it last year she found it this year then we found a match fresh match set and then we found one oddball from last year so that was pretty cool and the match set is actually the son of the her first match set which is actually probably my personal best set um i think that set's like 151 as an eight pointer (laughs) i mean it's definitely a giant set but no i was kind of cool we got to do that and but the thing is we were going to go out this weekend i was gonna i ice fished on saturday and then was going to um shed hunt on sunday with ruby and i had woken up i knew there's gonna be like a dusting they told us we were gonna get a dusting we ended up getting surprise like three to six inches yeah and i'm like Got I wake us up, too. and i'm like are you kidding me uh michelle was like Hey, did you know it was snowing out? And I'm like, it's what? We're supposed to go shed hunting today. She's like, you're not shed hunting today. There's a lot of snow on the ground. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Yep. So that kind of ruined my weekend. But oh yeah, it crap up. Yeah, but this this week it's supposed to kind of warm up, and this the ground is starting to expose itself here, and so we'll see what happens. We'll probably get out this week and kind of check things out. But awesome. I think enough with enough. Let's uh let's thank our sponsors and uh get on with this i'm I'm pretty excited about this show this show is going to be one special and something that you know neither of us really know I, I mean i don't think you know really much about it and i don't think a lot of our listeners have a clue about it to be honest and what it what this gentleman actually does and he was one of the winners of actually our squirrel competition so um let's uh let's thank these sponsors and get this thing underway definitely and hammer away all right dude let's do uh novix outdoors novix outdoors.com uh Use promo code Outdoor Drive fifteen, and this is very important because with the prices of everything that with steel and aluminum and all this, the prices we have found that the prices of the Novik stands are actually going to be going up. So to save fifteen percent and use this promo code will actually help you up. So you guys might want to get on that sooner than later. Latitude Outdoors, LatitudeOutdoors.com. If you guys haven't gone over and checked out their stuff. Um, I would definitely go and follow them on social media. They have some great things coming out in the near future that we kind of seen and revealed at the uh, at the ATA. Um, so definitely keep up with that stuff, guys. And it's going to be some really cool stuff. We actually have them plan to come back on the podcast and talk about their new products very soon. Uh, Gator Outdoors, GatorOutdoors.com. Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE25. Save yourself 25% about on that. Uh, they got some really cool stuff going on over there. New Era Archery, newerarchery.com. That's the home of the Zeus broadhead. If you guys haven't checked that stuff out, you're missing out. Probably one of the best broadheads on the market. Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Uh, Mark has some really cool special stuff uh, we posted on social media about. There is going to be a mouth call series that comes out. Um, I think it's going to be called the Outdoor outdoor drive um 
spur collector series or something like that. We have as really long as you didn't call it Trev's latex, we're all right. <laughs> he would like to call. I it know Trev's he would latex. love to. <laughs> Just as a jab at you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he actually hey, funny story. It spurred him into making these. <laughs> exactly, funny story. He goes, he goes. I don't think. I've ever had this much latex in my shop ever is what he said or something. Or I don't remember. Something yeah, a Mark comment. Yeah, typical Mark comment. He's always busting on me. I, I can't believe that I'm a male and I have latex in my mouth. I was, <laughs> whatever, Mark. <laughs> boy, Mark. Uh, <laughs> yo, Rack Bracket. If you guys haven't checked out Rack Bracket, Use promo code Outdoor Drive ten on that one. Save ten percent on your rack bracket. Uh, deadhead season is among us. When you get a nice deadhead, uh, you can use the rack bracket. Probably one of the most trustworthy uh, Euro mounting brackets on the market. Uh, and a special thanks out to the Dirt Road Agency, Christian Costa, for all he does for the Outdoor Drive podcast. Outstanding. Well, real quick, let's get caught up on the uh, world's events and uh, get with our buddy Mike. Well, we know there's enough of those. So. Oh, there's no shortage of them these I days. Think, I, don't, I don't think there's enough time in this podcast to go over <laughs> the world problems, my friend. <laughs> Did you, actually, before... Oh. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. All right, before Mike comes on, Trev, you got to finish up that sentence. It, it sounded juicy. Yeah, so did you guys all hear? Well, maybe you guys can't answer this question, but maybe Stephen can. Did you hear about Hillary Clinton? They might actually arrest her. I, I've heard there's been some stuff that's coming along that uh, may lead to an indictment. <laughs> yeah, I, we don't want to talk about it too much because we'll probably end up part of the Clinton Foundation or killed by them anyways, but... Anyways, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to suicide yourself. <laughs> Anyways, here's Mike. Hey, everyone. We're going to kick this one off in Colorado and update on Senate Bill 31, which was proposed to ban bobcat links and mountain lion hunting. The bill was rejected by the Senate Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee during its first hearing uh, by a vote of four to one. Opponents of the bill flooded lawmakers with testimony and comments against the bill, uh, which aided in effectively killing the bill uh, early in the session. So good news, and it goes to show how important it really is to get those comments in on these bills to your legislators. So off to Ohio, where the DNR has proposed several changes to the white-tailed deer season uh, to the Ohio Wildlife Council. The 2022-23 season dates would be similar to last year. Uh, deer bag limits are proposed to be increased in 18 counties. Three counties would increase from one to two deer, and 15 counties are proposed to increase from two to three deer. As in years past, even with the increased bag limits, only one antler deer may be taken regardless of where or how it is taken. DNR is also proposing the sep uh, separate deer hunting regulations in the expanded CWD surveillance area in Hardin, Marion, and Wyandotte counties. Uh, the proposal includes a longer archery season opening September 1st uh, and an early gun season from October 8th to October 10th. Um, public land deer hunting restrictions are proposed to be removed at Big Island, Andreoff, and Wyandotte wildlife areas. And the 2022 fall turkey season is proposed to be reduced by three weeks to October 15th through November 13th. Anyone who would like to provide comments on these proposed changes can do so at wildohio.gov through March 16th. 
and a statewide hearing on these proposals will be held on March 24th at 9 a.m. Now to Montana and some changes to the preference point system. For non-residents, the preference point fee is increased this year from $50 to $100, and the preference point only purchase period has changed to July 1st through December 31st. Uh, additionally, Montana used to allow applicants to use the points only purchase option for two years, but applicants then had to apply on the third year uh, or the point accumulation would be zeroed. Starting in 2022, applicants now have to apply every other year or risk losing your preference points. Hunters can build one preference point per year in Montana uh, with one new exception. The, an applicant applying with and hunting with an outfitter can purchase up to two points per year. So some big changes there in Montana with the preference points, so make sure you're up on those if you plan on putting in for uh, hunting out there. Lastly, to Rhode Island, where in honor of International Women's Day in March, the Rhode Island Division of Fish and Wildlife Outdoor Education has partnered with the Narragansett Bowhunters Club to host a Ladies Intro to Archery Day. Uh, the event will take place on Sunday, March 20th, with two sessions being held at from 9.30 to 11 and 1 to 2.30. The event will be held at the Narragansett Bowhunters Club at 1531 uh, Tenrod Road in North Kingstown. And all equipment will be provided, uh, but participants are welcome to bring their own. And to register for this event, you can send an email to madison.proulx at dem.ri.gov. So great opportunity there to get some of the ladies out and shooting the bow. Um, as always, if you have any news, keep sending it along. I've seen some more stuff coming in. Uh, you can reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or bearded underscore bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. I know that your your news was way better than mine, but I figured I'd just let it out there. Today at work, everybody was talking about it. You know, the, all the old timers came in and they're talking about how Hillary Clinton is going to get indicted or whatever the case may be. Whatever. Too much Don't news. Don't hold your breath. Let's, nope. All right. Well, hey, listen. It yeah. is what it is. Yep. <laughs> I think we should get on with better things than politics because we don't need to talk about politics. I 100% agree. Let's uh, go ahead and roll right into this. Let's get Joe on. All right, guys. We're back on the phone, man. I want to introduce you guys to one of the winners of our 2022 squirrel competition, Joe Seaborn. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you guys doing today? Good, good. Can't Hang complain. There, man. We, yeah. we didn't pull off enough tail during the uh, competition as you did, so, you know, we're, we're hanging a little low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of rough towards the end. We got that a lot of snowfall, and probably I think one day I was punching through an inch of ice on top of twelve inches of snow, and it was hard on the dog. The squirrels weren't really moving; just had to stay close to the dens and get lucky and find a couple on the outside that weren't quick enough to get back in a hole yet. Nice. Jeez, that's so nuts, man. Well, why don't we? Uh, we'll turn this key. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from? And uh, a little bit about what you do, bro. All right. So uh, my name is Joe Seaburn uh, from Western Pennsylvania, a little bit north of Pittsburgh. Uh, so basically the gist of my involvement in the squirrel uh, competition was I run squirrel dogs. Uh, I got a blue tick coon hound. Her name is Willow. Uh, five and a half years ago now. Um, so basically I run her through competitions, uh, national sporting dog circuit, W or uh World Tree Dog Association, etc. There's numerous different sport dog registries out there. Um, 
for anybody that's interested, you can look them up online. It's very information, a lot of information on there. Uh, you can get on Facebook to see all our hunt results, um, people posting dogs, just videos there, dogs treed. Um, so basically a lot of people don't really understand what squirrel hunting is in my opinion with a dog. A lot of people say, well, my German shepherd, I let her out to pee and she chases the squirrels around the backyard. <laughs> I mean, that's cool and all, but it's a cool different ball game whenever you're sending them out into the woods. Um, so you're, the gist of training the dog is you want that dog to leave your feet and go until it picks up scent and which it'll take that scent track to a tree in which the squirrel goes up. And my dog and most competition dogs are trained. Once it tells you what tree that it thinks it went up, it's going to sit at that tree or jump at that tree, chew at that tree and bark until you get to it and do what you have to do, whether it's a den tree and you pull the dog off or shoot the squirrel down. Um, if it wasn't for this competition, honestly, I probably wouldn't have shot as many squirrels as I did. I don't shoot too many, uh, just enough to get by when I'm hungry. And I also donate quite a few to a VFW and other game dinners and stuff like that for people who are interested in eating them. Um, but like I said, this was a fun competition. I really enjoyed it. It gave me a reason to more than just the annual every, I pretty much every Saturday from September through March, I'm somewhere in the country at a competition, but it awesome. gave me a reason other than to just, go run around the woods and train, just have a little bit more fun, I guess you could say. That's so awesome. So what, so what I'm, I'm going to dive into it, man, because I'm totally and utterly intrigued in it. And I didn't even realize this or even have any type of understanding of the squirrel, squirrel hunting with dogs. I mean, you hear about it, but I had no understanding of it. And then when we had started the competition and some of the Southern boys, I guess it's more of a thing down there. They go, it's a lot, it's a lot more, uh, a lot more people do it down south and up here, I guess. Yeah. You well, and, down, yeah. And just to clarify, this whole thing started off as a joke. Oh, really? It, it so literally I, started. I didn't as even a find joke. out about it. <laughs> I didn't find out about it until January fourteenth. That's that's when I well, I lied. Charles Headland had told me about Old it. Chuck. <laughs> yeah, he, he told me about it at the end of December, and I completely forgot about it. I've been so busy between the competition stuff and the aspect and my job and whatnot completely forgot about it. And he, I think I sent him a text one day. I went hunting and limited out in like an hour and a half, maybe Jeez. not even. And he was like, you know, that squirrel competition is going on right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? He sent me the link again. I was like, Oh, guess I'm going to post this today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. See, I, I hold on, Steve. I, I do want to clarify. It was not really a joke. It was somebody had brought it to my attention, was like, you should do a squirrel hunting competition. And yeah. I was like, all right, screw it. I'll do a squirrel competition. So it was kind of like a joke, but not really. Because I was like, oh, all yeah. right, we'll just shoot I, the biggest squirrel. I'll, <laughs> I'll put it in the way that we're, we were like, yeah, let's do that. That'll be cool. Whatever. Never yeah. thought it would end up the way it did. That, yeah, that's what I mean there, as, there are as a, a lot joke. of different competitions like that. But mainly a lot of them are just one-day competitions where yeah. – the squirrel has to be fresh. You have, say you go to a club deadline at noon and you just do the length of the squirrel and whoever has the longest length, you put in 10 bucks or whatever. We do a lot of those towards the end of the season, but I've never seen a month long one. And that was, it was pretty cool to see even not even me. Cause I, I mean, I'm kind of different in the squirrel aspect where I'm constantly hunting five days a week, not hunting, but I'm trying to treat yeah, you're out, but the people who, 
don't normally get outdoors or only deer hunt, only turkey hunt or big game hunt. Even people taking their kids out. Like I, I take a lot of kids squirrel hunting all the time. And I, I always tell people, I think squirrel hunting is a lot more fun than deer hunting for a younger kid because they're not just sitting there in a tree stand, freezing their butt off all day, waiting for this deer to walk by that may never walk by. When you're squirrel hunting, odds are you're even with a dog, without a dog, you're probably going to see a squirrel somewhere along the line. Absolutely. A little bit more action, a little bit more fun. Just And then just seeing everybody going out and whatnot. It was really cool to see what you guys organized. And and that was kind of more or less the, the, the whole entire thing of it was just to get people back into the woods and do something a little bit different that maybe they did when they were a kid or, yeah. you know. That's how I started hunting. That's how my dad, he took me on trap lines and small game hunting. That was how I got introduced to the woods. And I think that's a lot of people too, you know, upland hunting or rabbit hunting or yeah. whatever. I mean, that's where you start because it's just an easy thing, right? And it's just, you know, you're going to have more of a success with doing that. So to do that competition, it was one of those things like, we're just going to do that because get somebody else out there. Or the other reason too was the competition aspect of it because if somebody, if Steven came over and shot my target deer that was on the next abutting <laughs> property, I'd be pretty pissed off at him, right? Yeah. But, but, it, but if if he came over and he shot one of my squirrels, I'd be like, dude, nice job, man, freaking awesome. Yeah, you know, you don't think about it. You'd be same. surprised about that. Like when you get over into wait, there are squirrel politics. Oh yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we need it. Is juicy. Need, like, a, co- a coveted squirrel, in my opinion. I shot one. I shot one. I've seen two. As a black squirrel or an albino squirrel, possibly. yeah. So a very prevalent area where there's black squirrels is. Don't mid- say it. Don't say where. Mid eastern, well, mid eastern <laughs> Ohio, like that area. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of black squirrels over there. So people actually, if they see a black squirrel in their patch of woods, they're like, "I'm hunting this squirrel this year." It's almost like a deer when you wow. see. Wow. I really want to get this black squirrel this year. Actually, you're lucky. I went out to a buddy's of mine I went to college with and it, the leaves were still on. It might've been September. And he was like, we have a lot of black squirrels out here. I was like, that, that's awesome. I want to shoot a black squirrel. I want to get it mounted. Cause I have a fox squirrel, a gray squirrel, black squirrel. I have them all mounted in Willow's trophy room with all of our certificates, trophies from hunts. That right. Too. Um, so we go out there and Willow gets, gets treed. And we're walking in, and then I see the squirrel. I was like, it's a black squirrel. It's a black squirrel. I was like, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> Freaking out. I, like, I want it. Let's go. So he shoots. He misses. And squirrels don't always stay in the tree, obviously. You'll see them timber forever away and go into their nest or a hole. Well, it's jumping through the trees, and he's firing off rounds. And I'm like, oh, my God, here it goes. It's going to get away. Well, it ended up getting away. It got in the hole. We lost it in the leaves. Couldn't find it. I ended up going back out in November. This was probably two years ago, and Willow's making a couple of trees here, and there it was a real crappy day, a lot of snow. And she maybe only goes 100 yards from us and throws a locate, gets treed. I walk into her, I leash her up, and I look up, and the Y of the tree is maybe only 10 feet off the ground, and I see this black tail sticking down. I was like, there it is, there it is. <laughs> I ended up getting that one, and I, I ended up getting him out, and I put it down in my little room, so... It was nice. Nice little trove. That's so cool. So I, I really want to know, and I want to dive into the kind of the, the training aspect of it. Like, how do you, how does she even get sent? Like, do, does the squirrel have to be on the ground or is it something, is she um, getting sent out of the trees or? Yes and no. What, 
when they're not on the ground. So there's kind of different styles of dogs and every dog's different, I guess you could say. There's what you call a, a layup dog where the, they have it for coons too. They call them layup dogs. Um, if the coon or squirrel isn't on the ground and it may be just sitting up in a limb or in a hole in the tree, that dog can wind with its nose in the air and pick up that scent that's falling out of the tree. And dogs like that are really, I wouldn't say they're hard to come by, but they're very good when you can find them that are good at something like that. Mine can wind if it, the wind's blowing in the right direction, but mainly it's a track dog. So if that squirrel or coon's on the ground, it'll pick up that scent and just drive that track until it picks up where that animal finally went up the tree at. That's crazy, man. And how do you go about training to do something like that? Like you, do you have to get squirrels and drag them or like, how do you? People do it different. The way I trained her to start was I just went out back and they call it, I can't remember what it's called. Um, It's almost like a box trap, but more flat and long. Um, I put some corn cobs, peanut butter, stuff like that in there next to the feeder out back and actually caught a squirrel in it. And didn't kill it, nothing like that. I just hung it out or set it next to a tree and let her bark at it as it was in the cage just to let her mess around, play with This is when she was maybe five, six months old just to get her introduced. Um, from there, it was more or less just putting her in the woods and letting her figure out what she needed to do on her own, um, just getting her woods time, walking around. I remember the first time she actually treed. She had gone through the woods and just barked a little bit, but never actually pulled up tree on an actual tree and barked and let me know what was going on. But I was maybe 75 yards behind her and we're just moseying along through the woods, taking a walk. And she lets out this big locate that I had never heard her do before. And I looked up and there was this big giant oak right in front of me, maybe 75 yards. And I saw this squirrel run up a tree. I was like, here we go. We finally did it. Nice. From, from there, it was just more or less getting her out a lot every day and just letting her work and a lot of the guys who are really into competition hunting they'll probably hunt like five six seven days a week getting their dog just making sure their dog's in shape and focused on what they're doing that's crazy does she coon hunt also or does she just only squirrel so when i bought her i had every intention of making her a coon dog and then i got put on nights for a while there and couldn't coon hunt obviously and i did at this time i had no idea squirrel hunting was even a thing did not know it existed whatsoever this was probably five years ago my dad was like well we squirrel hunt a lot same thing as coon hunting well why don't you just do that try to train her like that and the more i dove into like training tactics and stuff like that is the more i found these competition registries and facebook pages and other guys that are already doing this i found some other guys in western pennsylvania who i'm very good friends with now like through this, just getting a dog and starting the competition hunter, I've made numerous friends that I talk to every single day. Uh, me and a group of guys, we're going to go down to land between the lakes on that Kentucky-Tennessee border in, what, three, two, three weeks for the world hunt. We're all going to get a cabin down there, hang out, run the dogs together. So there's just a big community of guys who do it, and it's been really fun for me. That's nuts, so, man. So you said the world hunt. What is that? Yeah. So, like I, like I stated that before, pretty much every I, – I run the competition circuit pretty hard these last couple of years. I pushed her quite a bit. So, every week from September through March, there's usually a competition somewhere in the country, whether PA, Ohio. I've been to so – this year alone, I went to PA, Ohio, Michigan, 
West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee. So God, another group of guys that skip Virginia. <laughs> uh, there's no there's no hunts in Virginia, or else I wouldn't. I'm actually point proven. We're going down to Virginia for turkey season this year. Ooh, good luck. Don't do it. Don't do it. Good luck. <laughs> Don't do it. Me and my brother-in-law went down last year. He got a real nice one, and I actually not to get off topic, but I had no, it's one, good. I had one hang up on me at like 75 yards. Yep, was hen wouldn't come in, and then. I had one, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm just messing around, yelping. And one gobble was like four ridges over. I was like, oh, crap. I was like, was that really a gobble or is it my imagination? Well, I struck again. It struck again. I was like, I I took off. One, me and my brother-in-law took off on a dead sprint. And when I shit you not, we ran two miles. Oh, I believe it. Trying to get to this ridge. And the funny part is we got to the ridge like in between where we thought we were and it was. And when we got to this ridge, it gobbled again back where we were. Yep. (laughs) Trev's having nightmares reminiscing about that. Yeah. (laughs) So we finally, it's, it shut up for like five minutes. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. I was like, this thing has gobbled every single time I've hit the call. So we snuck back down like halfway from where we were again. So by this time we've covered like three miles, just trying to get to this bird. And I, the hardest part about Virginia turkey hunting, I'll say, is finding a good place to set up. Just the setup is not ideal no matter where you're at. <laughs> I get set up on this top of a ridge and the turkey's down in this little like holler dip area. Go Still gobbling, going nuts. I can hear it crunching in the leaves coming to me. I got the gun up. I'm ready to go. When I tell you this turkey's head stuck up that much over the top of the hill and putted and took off, <laughs> I I saw the top of its eye, and that was it. And that was the end of it. Putted, and it was gone. I have no idea how it saw me, no idea what happened, and I was demoralized for the rest of the trip. That that Why do you think Trev said don't do it? <laughs> yep. You know, that, you know it. the best place to hunt in Virginia is on that's the board, it. not there. That's not in Virginia. That, that state <laughs> sucks. All right. I we go there every year because Steven lives there and I hate that place. I despise that place. I will never go there ever again. I hate those turkeys. Travis, they we've had more close nope. encounters with no shot oh, yeah. than nope. any place yeah. I've ever hunted. World's it's smartest Easterns. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> that they it, and I was I wouldn't say they're so much smart because we had a lot of activity. Like we had them oh yeah. There's there's no limit in activity. They would up and then that one, but they're educated. In terms of talkativeness, it was above and beyond what I think Pennsylvania is. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but it's also because the season comes in. Yeah, three, we come in a little earlier. Yeah, and, and they're in, they're incredibly talkative. Yeah, and they'll come in just enough to piss you off and hang up. <laughs> That's and, it. and that's a Virginia that's, that bird. Sums it up, yeah. That if sums it up. They will come in, and at eighty yards, they go. Uh, your turn. Come to me. That's it. And if but you, do you think that? Go ahead. But PA would be a little bit more pressured than a VA bird, to be honest with you. Like PA Pennsylvania, is very pressured. Yeah. Very, very, very pressured. Yeah. I think because over a Virginia PA, bird, absolutely. I think PA does. Well, PA has one of the highest turkey populations in the country, and it also has one of the highest hunter success rates for spring gobbler in the country. Um, the downfall is, and a lot of Pennsylvanians get mad, is that it comes in so late. So 
in my opinion, the best week of the year would be our youth hunt, Agreed. which is before our actual season comes in. Yeah. So by the time our season comes in, their mating process is starting to die down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I haven't had trouble killing a bird since uh, I'm 27. I've been hunting since I was 12, and I've shot a spring gobbler for 15 consecutive years. Every nice. single year, I've shot a spring gobbler in PA. But people will complain because they think it comes in so late, and you will have a lot of turkeys in PA that come in silent. Oh, that, that's for sure. That's how it is in PA. If you don't get them the first week or so, or you don't get them from 9 a.m. to 12 or 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. when they're trying to find a lone hen, you are going to have trouble when they're going to come in silent. So if they come in silent, you're not ready. They're going to see you and people have trouble with mm-hmm. it. So when does your season come in in PA? I think May 1st. This oh, year. Okay. So you yeah, are, they're, okay. they're late. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. one of the later States. Yeah. Yeah. We which were, is why I'm gonna come, which is why I'll come to Virginia because I, I like being able to hunt just a couple yeah, of weeks earlier. Get the earlier. Connecticut, we used to, I, when I was growing up, May 7th is when we oh, would really? start. Yeah, we would start late. And then they kicked it back to now where we're April 29th. Yeah, you come in, I think, we two open. weeks behind yeah. us. Because mm-hmm. it would always be, we would always have trout season would come in. Yep. And because me and my dad... We would never hunt the first morning of trout because it was so, or never fish the first morning of trout because it was so crowded. So what we would do was we'd go sit in my blind and scout turkey from sun up until nine ten a.m. and we would go fish the rest of the day. Then the following week would be the youth hunt. Then the following week after that would be when the regular season comes in. That's how I gotcha. Well, yeah, we we can digress now that we took that random tangent into turkey country but uh that's a a whole other tangent that you don't want to get started on back back to the worlds yeah i think you were starting on that when we cut off so so like i said from pretty much september through march somewhere in the country i am at a competition um the main circuit i run is national sporting dog i think it's a blast i love it i love the industry i love the guys in it um so basically you accumulate based on your final standing in the hunt, however you place, you get points. So like this isn't the exact scale, but say there's 10 dogs and you place first hundred points, second place out of 10 dogs, you get 90 points. And those points add up and tally throughout the year. And they have different races such as highest scoring dog of the year. Then they break it down into breeds like, highest scoring hound, highest scoring mountain cur, uh, et cetera. And then they break it down into state races as well. So you have to have five hunts in a state per year for it to have a state race. So there's five hunts in PA and they'll have whoever scores the most out of those five hunts in PA, out of those five hunts in Ohio and so on and so forth. So I think it is now you have to go to three hunts throughout the year to qualify for the world hunt. Um, so I think last year we went down, there's 60, 65 dogs who actually go down out of the, I can look it up in a second, but probably 300, some that compete throughout the competition year. Um, and then basically it's just a competition in itself. And it's a, it's a gauntlet because you have 65 dogs and you break them into three dog casts. So 65 divided by three, I've never been good at math, like 20 some casts. Mm -hmm. 
And if your dog wins the cast, you advance to the next round and so on and so forth. So you have to win what four or five rounds to be the, to win the hunt and you'd be claimed world champion for that year. So how does it work though? Like, do they, is it actual live squirrels? Like how do yes. they, what, what's an yes. actual hunt though? Like, so when, so like, say, when you're right, going to do a cast, yeah, yeah, take us through a cast. So say the three of us show up to a hunt and we're the only, say there's usually more, but say we're the only three that show up to that hunt. You have a dog, you have a dog, I have a dog. We will take the dogs who are, who are say it's in Pennsylvania and it's my club. The club has guides or people who, where we have permission to hunt. So I would take you to somewhere that I have permission to hunt that I can run my dog. We would cut the dogs loose, run the clock for an, an hour and a half is the first round of a competition. Anything after that's usually an hour, like second and third rounds, because time of day, you want to get it done as quick as you can. Um, so start the clock for an hour and a half. All three dogs go hunting. Um, when a dog barks or the owner, handler thinks their dog is treed, he will tell the judge, hey, my dog's treed. From that point on, you have to wait two minutes. The dog has to stay put in that position for two minutes without leaving the tree. If the dog would leave the tree, it takes a minus. So you go in the hole 100 points. If you walk into the tree and you see the squirrel sitting up in the tree, or within 60 feet of a tree, which is like usually like two, three, four trees over. Because the squirrels do move, they timber, so they could go in a tree over or something like that. Um, it's 100 plus points. If you walk in and you don't see a squirrel, but there's a nest, a hole in a tree, somewhere where that squirrel could be that you can't see it, it's circle points. And that's basically like a tiebreaker. You want, you want plus points. You want to see that squirrel and get those points. And at the end of the hunt, whoever has the most points, or tiebreaker points advances to the next round. That's pretty cool, man. That's but what happened? So obviously, all these areas are squirrel-rich areas because it's not, not like they're going through Some, there and beating them up. I mean, sometimes there's you might go through a cast and never see a squirrel. Okay. But depending on the weather, the area, just the day, you're not always guaranteed to see one. But obviously, that's the goal. You're trying to find where that squirrel went up, and there's some days where you might go to four or five trees and every single one of them has a nest way up. You can't shake a grapevine to get it to move out or there's holes in the tree, big den trees. And even if you beat on them with a stick, they don't always come out. Mm -hmm. More often than not, they don't come out just because they know they're safe inside of that tree. That's nuts. And one of the things I, I you had talked about earlier was that later on in the the competition, our competition, that it was a lot harder because of the snow and all that kind of stuff. Why is that? Like, I don't understand that. Not only that, but this time of the year, they're in their post-breeding cycle. So the females are pretty much not I – I, I, I'll put it this way. They're – you know how in turkey season when a hen's bred, they more or less don't move around, they go lay on their nest? Mm-hmm kind of like a squirrel they'll they'll stay cooped up in their den nest just more or less it's a pregnant woman trying to be comfortable in the, yeah right in the, in the breeding cycle that's best i can explain it that's crazy the females will still be out and about the females will still be out and about also but more or less this time of the year the squirrels are only leaving their den 
to get food, get water, and they go right back in. They're not out messing around or rutting where they're all over the place trying to get lucky. So when is the squirrel rut? Um, November time. Same as deer, almost late deer. Is that why? Is that why we always see the squirrels chasing That's around the other why squirrels? You always hate you. You hear that rust through the woods. You stand up, your bow ready to draw, and it's just this big five pound squirrel coming through the woods. Yep. <laughs> wondering i thought it was just a bunch of young squirrels playing with each other but i guess that that's no, not that's, the case that's more huh? or less that's the rut they're just chasing each other around that's Same. the squirrel rut yep actually charles laughs at me because charles and Braden boo are they laugh because i was like yeah squirrel rut not deer rut right now everybody's all up in their tree stands deer hunting and i'm running the dog they're, they're like don't you know it's a deer rut right now it's prime time to be in the woods i was like yeah squirrels are rutting too yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're just in it for a different reason yeah exactly that's crazy. Do have you ever come up on a lot of deer hunters when you're running your dog? Yeah, I was actually in a competition. I, I get scared because I'm very protective over my dog. So I always, you always hear like horror stories of dogs getting shot. Mm-hmm. Deer season or coon season or people. People get very territorial. They're, they're ignorant to the fact that they think every dog coming through the woods is messing up their hunt which is not the fact whatsoever because I can attest and send you numerous videos that I've walked, say Willow is treed 500 yards in the woods barking. When she barks, she's very loud. I heard her from 800 yards the other day. So I walked the entire way to her, kicked up deer here, deer there, deer here. There's numerous times where I've got to her tree where she's been for 10, 15 minutes barking and blowing up a storm. And there's been deer, buck, monster buck, laying 50 yards beside her. The best story I actually had was I was in a competition over in Ohio last year. And Willow was probably, she was tree maybe 100 yards in front of me. And I was walking into her tree to leash her. And I heard rustling coming through the woods. And it was November time. I saw a doe coming full speed right at me. And I kid you not, it was the biggest buck I have ever seen in my entire life. This thing was this wide at least, this tall at least, had double drop tines on both sides, chasing this doe, grunting, running full speed. And it ran from me to my computer this far, right next to the tree that she was treated on. And she's there barking. Yeah, she was there barking, blowing up a storm. Dogs do not mess with deer whatsoever. They're so used to it. Yeah. But people people think that if they see a dog come through the woods while they're deer hunting, that their monster buck that they're after is never going to come back. And they blame that dog, and sometimes they shoot them. And it is a felony, and I'm pretty sure majority of the states, to shoot dogs that are not actively chasing, killing, or attacking livestock or animals. Well, how many times have you been out coon hunting? Because obviously you've coon hunted before, right? I've coon so, before, yeah. yeah. So how many times have you been out coon hunting and you're out there and you're running dogs? And More than you, I can count. Yeah, yeah. And, and you look around and there's deer all around there's you. Deer, there's deer everywhere. It's actually, you don't even care. So an old-time trick, it's kind of messed up, but an old-time trick that I was taught because you obviously don't want your dog running deer for that reason. Mm-hmm. People in like PA, stuff like that. We don't have deer dogs up here the old timers would actually throw on a shot collar onto their dog. 
and when they're hunting, whatnot, you do your hunt, go whatever. Then they would take them to fields and spotlight a field. And when you see deer in the field, they would turn their dogs loose. And if the dog went into the woods and went hunting, all great. But if that dog decided it was going to chase the deer, shot collar, they would light them up. And that would obviously deter them from chasing the deer. That was an old time training method that somebody had told me. But luckily, I've never had problems with my dog chasing deer. Yeah, breaking breaking them on trash. I used to do a decent amount of coon hunting back in the day. And really? Yeah, and some of the some of the tricks and stuff was because a buddy of mine he has a ton of coon dogs, and he had one that would kind of chase trash and stuff or would chase deer, and he yeah. literally he made this like pen, it was electrified, it's kind of screwed up, but it it it's what you want because you don't want your dogs chasing deer because it's just yeah like, not not only is bad. it dangerous for the deer because you obviously don't want your dog killing a deer out of season or whatnot, but. Like people will shoot your dog when they see it chasing mm-hmm. or chasing a deer. And obviously you don't want that. Or, or your dog could get lost well. and you never get your dog back or run uh, it for I've miles. Seen, or I've seen young dogs who aren't trash broke yet take deer out of the county. Mm-hmm. So they would. So he made this big fence, like powered, like kind of like electric fence. Right. And, and it was a cage. And what happened was it would, the top of it was electrified. And it, he had a clothesline and he took a, a deer hide and he would run yeah. it down the, the thing. And when mm-hmm. the deer, when the dog would go to go after it, it would electrocute the dog. Yep. And then I've the dog, too. and the dogs will never run them ever again because they just, they know yep. how bad they are. And it's, and it's smart because I mean, he's had, he's had, you know, them chasing coons like by us here now, like it's not what it used to be like when I was a kid because they put these Fur houses everywhere and roads down and nobody really cares about them anymore. Well, I'm saying at least like there's not even the land to run them here no more. That too, that's another problem. Yeah. He had two, two coon hounds that he had run and they were chasing a coon out of the swamp and they crossed the road on a foggy night and got hit and yeah. he killed both their dogs, you know? So like, you got to be kind of careful sometimes, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough up here. Tough. Every time, every time you turn your dog loose, there's a chance that it might not come back. And I, I say it all the time. I have a Garmin alpha and it was, it's a tracking collar and a training shock tone collar. It is the best money I've ever spent because the ability to be able to keep track of your dog. If it gets close to a road, I can tone her or shock her to let her know she needs to come back to me right now when I'm calling her. I say it all the time, but I have no idea. And I give props to the old timers who just turned a dog loose and drove around until they heard it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me to be able to think that you just let that dog go and eventually just hope you find it. And and that's the thing. Like some of these coon hounds that I used to hunt with, like these things would run forever. They don't listen. They don't, yeah. there's no calling them back. There's no, no yeah. the only way to get them is when they treat. That was it. That's the treat, only you way walk, you, you would walk to the tree. And that's when you pull them off a tree. It'd be sometimes I remember being a kid and we would go and we'd run coons yeah. and, and it would be dude. They, sometimes it'd be five o'clock in the morning before this thing. Would in the morning treat. You finally find that thing. Yep. And you're like, you dude, even, we've been trying to chase you all night. Like yep. where are you at? You know? I would run. So we had rabbit dogs and beagles growing up too and didn't have Garmin's or GPS's on them or anything. And I remember like being kind of traumatized as a kid because my dad would say like, all right, they're not coming back. They're still running this rabbit. I have to go to work. We're leaving. 
and he would throw down a jacket. He'd be like, yeah, take your sweatshirt off, put your sweatshirt down on the ground. Yep. I'd be like, this is going to work. Let the and I'm dog like, comes back lost our, your like, We just lost our dogs forever. It's done. Like, we're going home. When we come back, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And we come back, and after my dad got off work, and they'd be laying there like nothing ever happened, just waiting for us to come back on those sweatshirts and jackets. I was like, wow, it really did work. Yep. Yeah, that's a, the old timers tricks. They, I remember that one as a kid too. Same yeah. thing. They take their old flannel off and they put it down right where they had been last, and the dogs would find them, and that would be the end of it. Dogs yep. would be there. When yeah, I remember being traumatized, I was like, "Dad, we can't leave. We have to find the dogs." People, people don't have a clue how how smart they actually are. But the old school, we we have it nice because we have those like the Garmin alphas and all the other things for these dogs yeah. that these guys never had before. You know, it's that's it. Like all there's a lot of times where if squirrels aren't moving, Willow will go until she can find a squirrel. And I'm just sitting there in my truck, staying dry. <laughs> staying She's warm, out there. He's yep. out there messing around and say she gets treed on the other side of a block with a road on the other end. I can just drive out around, go to exactly where I think the quickest point is to grab her. And it's just the luxury of being able to know where she is and what she's doing at all times. Right. That's crazy, man. That's absolutely nuts, especially for uh, squirrel hunting, dude. I never thought in a million years that it, anything would ever be like that for squirrel I hunting. Didn't, I didn't either. <laughs> it's kind of mind-blowing to me, man. Like, yeah. But I, I, like I said, I – thoroughly enjoy it my wife gets mad at me every now and again she's like well where, where are you going this saturday uh, not to tell her what, where, where i'm going for my competition but she's very good about it she understands and um but like i said throughout just having this dog i can't count how many friends i've had how much fun i have in these competitions the competitions do get heated from time to time like people obviously want to win that's why you're in these competitions but the camaraderie and friendship made throughout them. It's just, it's a blast. It really is. That's awesome, man. What, what is some of the politics that come along with it? I got to know just some of the squirrel hunting dirt. I mean, people don't like certain kinds of dogs. Uh, there's obviously your guys who I'm a hound guy. I like the looks, the mouth, the ears, everything mm-hmm. like there's guys that hate hounds. They think that they just make too many trees and they're not accurate. So they'll hunt mountain curs or feists or some people mix hounds and curs and everybody has their breed that they like there's a main registry omcba original mountain cur breeder association um people will strictly stay to that and will not venture from anything outside of a mountain cur dog <clears throat> um people think that some people will train dogs to just grab a tree which was it would be like not as accurate, but you rack up points. So like first, okay. they're, they're kind of hoping that they can find a squirrel in one of the five, six, seven trees a dog gets treated in, in that time frame. Or if no squirrels are found, it's going to have more tiebreaker points. So people will specifically train their dog just to tree. But then there's other people who think the only right way to have a competition dog is a dog that goes – five, six, seven hundred yards through the country in two minutes and gets treed by itself with no other dog around, which you do want in a competition. You want your dog to get some points, be by itself, et cetera. But everybody has the type of dog that likes them and suits them and whatnot. And as long as you're showing up to the competition hunts and you can run your mouth as all, all you want, 
if you're actually showing up, paying your entry fee and mm-hmm. putting in the time and effort, in my opinion. But there's a lot of guys who obviously don't uh, um, don't show, don't competition hunt, but always have to put in their two cents on Facebook when something happens. Of course, it's course. Is any other that, sport, that's hunting I mean, across the board. Like that. It's hunting in general. It's everybody mm-hmm. has their own opinion on stuff like that, but. For the most part, competition hunting, I think, gets a bad rep because of that. But if people actually would come to the competition hunts, whether even if you have a dog, people would be more than happy to let people who are interested in it come and spectate and walk on a cast. And they'll understand that it is truly a lot of fun just to see the dogs work. That's so cool, man. So I we got one last question for you, man, okay. before we wrap this thing up, dude, is, is what drives you outdoors? Uh, I think for me, I like... That, that, that's my time to clear my head with everything going on outside of the outdoors um, with everything going on in the world. That's my time, especially whether with Willow with my dog, whether I'm turkey hunting, uh, deer hunting, or right now I'm doing a lot of ice fishing because we're going to be running out of time here shortly with 60 degree weather. That's my time to go out. Um, whether I go with my dad, uh, whether I go with friends, sometimes my wife comes along that's my time to just not focus on what's going on out in the world, but solely focus on the outdoors, just relaxing, uh, God's country, seeing the sunrise come up, seeing the sunrise go or seeing the sunset, just be at peace and know everything's all right for that short amount of time. Couldn't oh, have yeah. said it better myself. <laughs> no, yeah. exactly. That was poetic. That's probably, yeah, very poetic. <laughs> the Almost sunrise, like I rehearsed it or something. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. You had that coming. one planned out. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Joe, where can everybody find you? Um, so I actually have a separate outdoor page. Uh, I'm on Instagram and YouTube. It's called Whisper in the Wind Outdoors. Um, I'll be honest, I did a five i think five day squirrel series last year that's on my youtube page that you guys are welcome to watch anybody welcome to watch i don't think it's that great to be honest with you because i did it with a gopro doesn't matter as you guys know filming hunts uh the gopro is kind of challenging to actually Mm -hmm. zoom in see games um this past winter i actually filmed a turkey i bought a new camera and filmed a turkey hunt turned out perfect and I just wrapped up filming another five-day squirrel series, which I think this one is really, really good. A lot of good footage, some friends. Um, I don't even think I shot a single squirrel. It was all me taking other people to be able to shoot squirrels. Or even sometimes I didn't shoot them. It was just more or less showing how I trained the dog. Yep. But I'm working on editing that in the process right now. I'll obviously let you guys know when it's getting ready to be. Cool. You bet. Five days in a row. Um but there's some other stuff on there, ice fishing, turkey, um, mainly just running the dog. But that's my main uh, public forum for my hunting and how I my adventures. Outstanding. Well, Joe, we appreciate you jumping on and uh, giving this intricate look into something that not a lot of people know a whole yeah. lot about. I mean, it's, it's definitely been interesting. And I know Trev, as well as myself, have learned a lot from this. And I'm not going to lie that we're not a little bit more intrigued, especially <laughs> after running this competition. Now with, I got a feeling it may get a little bit more in depth. So uh, it should be it should be fun next year too. 
well i'm, I'm very yeah. i'm looking forward to next year yeah i really well, am a, after the uh, the bar you set this year i think we're all going okay well uh we got some work to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah, all i'm I mean, saying we had, we, had a, we had a good competition and like, how many how many squirrels did you say were actually killed throughout the competition two i think 287 oh really wow um yeah, yeah. that's absurd actually <laughs> i will I, take I that as a win i didn't think yeah. it was that high but yeah that's i think that's what it was i have to look it's something it's something we along three line. next year yeah we'll, i think we'll be 300 next year at least well that that'll be the so, goal is let's uh grow up by a little bit and get a few more people out there in the woods so absolutely we we appreciate you putting in the work you did and uh, really helping this thing pop because I know you had a lot of people that weren't serious until they started seeing the numbers, and then they dug in. And, well, yeah, uh, that's what I thought that also. I uh, so Charles messaged me. He was like, "Yeah, let's. But you should post this. Get it going. These are some good guys over here that are running this." So I posted. I think it was already January fourteenth when I posted my first kill photo, which, like mm-hmm. I said real good day we went out and killed quite a few in a short amount of time and i think at that point just from that day alone i was tied for first place and uh, charles messaged me he was like you've been there for one day and you're already in the lead <laughs> the biggest squirrel i was like yeah I, I don't really shoot many but we'll see how this goes and as it went on day by day and week by week you gave the updates and i was like so people were starting to catch me. So I was like, I probably should shoot some more squirrels. <laughs> yep. And it actually it stayed pretty close for the majority of the time. And through the end, uh, we were neck and neck. And we talked, made new friends from that too. Me, we talked quite a bit. Um, just that at the end decided, hey, let's call it a tie and uh, just enjoy the time we had. I told him, I was like, I'm probably going to go out tonight on that tiebreaker day. It's like, I'm probably not going to shoot a squirrel, but I'm just going to go out. If you want to shoot one, send it to Trev, go ahead, and that'll be your win. You can take it. That's awesome, man. That That's sportsmanship. True. That, sportsmanship. that was a big piece of what we were doing is go out and do it to enjoy it. It's not uh, so much the competition. Just, just do something different and have a good time. Yeah, a reason I, I think to be honestly, outside. Just from even seeing the Facebook post, a lot of people were even thanking you guys for putting on the competition because it made it gave them the initiative and drive to go back out and whether they killed a squirrel or not, just go back out, spend some time in the woods, get some fresh air, and just like I said before, what you said, what drives you, just being able to relax, get out, yep, and enjoy the scenery. Outstanding. Well, again. We appreciate you jumping on here and kind of running us through that. It's uh, it's going to have a big influence on the next year's competition. I'll promise you that. I think so as well. So until then, guys, we hope you guys enjoyed. Everyone follow along and uh, go ahead and dust up because next year's going to be a little bit wild. <laughs> and until then, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>